Welcome to Parent Talk Podcasts, where experienced parents and expert guests give tips and tricks on making parenting a breeze. Well, at least a little easier. Now here is your host, Genevieve Kyle, and co-host, Heather Fox. Hi everyone, and welcome to Parent Talk, broadcasting out of the Greater Vancouver area. We're here to inform, educate, and support parents from the early years and beyond. Our show is a great way to expand your village and fill your parental toolbox with as many resources as possible. I'm Genevieve Kyle. I'm your host here on Parent Talk, as well as on Les Parents Parle, which is our French new edition. I'm 42 and I am a mom of two boys, Alexandre, who is two-year-old, and Nathan, who is seven-month-old. So today we are talking about head shape and torticollis. So let's go around the table and let's introduce ourselves. Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Fox. I'm the co-host of Parent Talk. I am a mom. I'm 41 years old and my son Hudson is just turned two years old and we are expecting a baby sister coming in March. Hi, everyone. My name is Sylvana. I'm a pediatric physiotherapist, so that means I'm a physiotherapist working with kids only. I work at Kids Physio Group, which is a physiotherapy clinic working only with children in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, and I've been working there for just over three years. Hello, my name is Kate Hayes, and I am the proud and tired mother of two spirited girls, uh, almost four-year-old and a 19-month-old. And when I don't have my mom hat on, I work as a physiotherapist who treats exclusively children. And a fun fact about me is that I have worked with a client who was only two days old and clients up into their late 90s. But obviously my passion is working with children, which is why I have worked both in private practice as well as at BC Children's Hospital. And right now I have the honor to be working locally in the Tri-Cities at a brand new physiotherapy clinic called Playworks Physio, and it's located in Newport Village in Port Moody. And I'm excited to be working there, and I treat children there with torticollis, neurological disorders, genetic disorders, as well as orthopedic conditions like shin splints, ankle pain, knee pain, kids with scoliosis, and kind of everything in between. Well, thanks all of you ladies for being here today. So let's dive in into today's subject right away. What is torticollis and what causes it? So torticollis is basically a really fancy word that um, just means a tight neck muscle. Um, so specifically congenital muscular torticollis is what we'll be talking about today. And it's something that we see in um, babies, uh, very young babies specifically. And um, what it is, is it's a very specific neck muscle that's involved that's called the sternocleidomastoid, which is a very big word. So we shorten that to SCM. Um, and this neck muscle, what it does is it tilts your head to, to one side and turns your chin in the opposite direction. And um, this neck muscle can get shortened and tight uh, due to things that can happen in birth or in utero. Um, typically what happens is either it's during the trauma of birth, since we all know that that's not always gentle, um, specifically when there's forceps or suction, it's more common. Uh, another thing that can happen is poor positioning in utero. So oftentimes babies' heads that are wedged into pelvises or ribs is very common. 
And the other time that we see it really often is um, when there's triplets or twins or multiple births. We see a lot of that as well. So what causes head-shaped deformities in babies? So there are a few different types of head-shaped asymmetries in babies. The first one that I'll talk about is the most common one. It's called plagiocephaly. So that is flatness on one side in the back of the head. And oftentimes what happens is just one side of the head gets a little bit flat and then you can have other associated changes in the head shape. So you can have a little bit of movement in one of the ears and you can have round spots occurring either in the forehead or the opposite side in the back of the head. Another type of head shape asymmetry that's really common, it's called brachycephaly. And for this one, the flat spot is right in the back of the head and it causes a bit of a round spot on the top of the head. So the shape looks more like a bit of a cone. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons why head shape asymmetries take place, whether it's plagiocephaly or brachycephaly. What happens is babies' heads are really soft and malleable when they're really young. So any prolonged pressure in any specific portion of the baby's head kind of prevents it from growing in that spot. So the baby's head will grow in every other part of the head that isn't in contact with prolonged pressure. And then that spot that has a prolonged pressure won't grow and it turns out to be a little bit flat. So in plagiocephaly, that flat spot is just off to the side and brachycephaly, it's right in the back of the head. Um, and it can happen to, due to things even in utero. So if you have a uter that has a little bit of an odd shape, the baby's head can take that shape as well. Or during birth, um, things like Kate mentioned, um, like forceps and suction can actually increase the risk of plagiocephaly as well. And then things like the back to sleep campaign. So babies spend quite a bit of time on their backs when they're sleeping. And if you have a babies that are really good sleepers and spend a lot of time in one position during the night, that creates a lot of pressure on the back part of their heads or when babies have torticollis if like Kate mentioned that SEM muscle is a little bit tight and they're preferring to look to one side then whenever they're lying on their backs they're putting pressure on one side of their head and then that can cause that side to get a little bit flat. So head shape asymmetries are usually, when they're mild, they're just a cosmetic issue. So it's not necessarily a big, big concern. It's just a little bit of the flatness that happens. But there are other types of head shape asymmetries that are not cosmetic, that are due to, for example, early fusion in the growth plates in the skull. And that can be a little bit more dangerous. So it's important for us to know what the reasoning is behind the flatness that we're seeing. So that's an important thing for us to look for. Um, and then even just positional head shape asymmetries like plagiocephaly and brachiocephaly, if they get severe enough, you can have a little bit of shifting in other parts of the skull and then they can end up affecting a little bit the ears or the eyes. So we want to make sure we correct that as well. How do you know if your child has torticollis or plagiocephaly? So as Silvana mentioned, um, one of the biggest things that we notice first is that um, flat spot on a child's head, which kind of suggests maybe that they're stuck in one position more often than not. 
Um, sometimes kids get flatness on one part of their head simply because they prefer to look to one side and by drawing their attention to the other side, you can easily correct it. In the case of torticollis, the other thing that parents most often will notice is they'll start maybe flipping through old photos of their babies when they're younger and they'll suddenly notice, well, hmm, you know, my son or daughter seems to only ever have their head tilted to the left and every single picture I have of them, their head is to the left. Um, the other thing that they notice at a young age is that their baby really likes to look to one side, but won't ever seem to fully look to the other side. They'll look a little bit, but not quite as far as the other way. Um, and this is something that parents normally pick up generally when the baby is younger. So kind of in the first four to six months is, is typically what we see. I guess I can contribute a little bit to this conversation because my son, Alex, when he was born, he had quite of a flat spot on his head and his ears was a little slightly higher than the other one so you could see it then there was like I think he was stuck in my pelvis and what he would do when I lay him down he would actually always lean on the opposite side because I guess his neck was stretched a certain way when he was growing in utero so uh, at the hospital I actually mentioned it right away and we did go and see a, a physiotherapist at Lionsgate Hospital in North Vancouver and then for quite a long time, actually, nine months, and I had some exercises to do and everything, and they would worry about that he could maybe need a helmet. He had definitely a part that was more pointy, and not at the top. It was more like um, towards the opposite side where his ear was a bit higher, right? So not completely at the back either. So it was not like from laying too much on his back. I had to um, keep him as much as possible on his tummy. And we all know little babies doesn't really uh, like being on their tummies. So I had to basically pick him up, keep him on me. And when I had enough, actually, <laughs> I would put him down, put on his tummy and I would keep him there as long as I could and do it again. So it was a lot of work actually from me at the beginning of having to like keep it on his tummy as much as I could. But he ended up crawling really fast and I should say he ended up turning really fast because he didn't like it, right? So at the end, we completed the treatment that was um, suggested to us and it was a lot of exercises I had to do myself. It worked really well. We didn't need to do the helmet because I hear it's quite of a commitment and everybody asks you about it too, right? So I guess it was not a super... Um, heavy case. But uh, yeah, we worked hard at it. So actually, that that's kind of the perfect scenario case of torticollis, because the earlier that you can see a physiotherapist and the earlier that you treat it, the better the outcome is going to be. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on in this podcast. But um, in general, if, if you notice anything or if you have concerns about your child having a head tilt or having torticollis, all of our literature and all of our research shows us that if you can see a child in those first three months, that there's almost, I think, up to 98 to 100% uh, resolution of torticollis cases when you start that young. And that's not to say that if we start later, that we're not going to be able to fully resolve it as well. But um, when you catch it, you know, as you were saying, kind of the day after they're born and you start treatment yeah. right away, that's a mm -hmm. perfect example of how quickly and how well physiotherapy can resolve the case. And similar, similarly for plagiocephaly and head-shaped asymmetries, when babies are younger, their heads are way more malleable, so they're growing a lot quicker, so getting rid of that flat spot's a lot easier as well, and they're spending more time 
on their backs. So you can change positioning so that you're putting pressure in the spots that you want to correct. Whereas when they get a little bit older, they're not spending as much time on their heads, which is great for not making the flat spot flatter, but it also doesn't allow us to correct the round spots as much. Um, and then their heads become a little bit more molded in the, the head shape that they are already. So definitely starting treatment earlier for head shape is also super important. Because mm-hmm. I gotta say, even Alex, you can't even see it what his ears are. Even I think even his eye actually was a bit of a difference at the beginning, and now you can barely see it a little bit on the head shape if you really look close. But it's really hard to see now. So and again, like at day one, I noticed it and mentioned it at the hospital. Yeah. So how common is this? So it's actually a pretty common condition. It's something that most parents will not have heard of until their children or child rather is diagnosed with torticollis or plagiocephaly. Um, but once you know, you'll, you'll find suddenly all of a sudden, oh, you know, a friend with torticollis. Um, originally the incident in about 1994 used to be 0.3 to 4% of babies would be diagnosed with torticollis. Uh, that increased up to, I think, something around 16% um, later on. And it again, it was kind of associated with the back-to-sleep campaign. So babies were spending more time on their back, not only for sleep, but also during the day. It kind of carried over. And um, it's not to say that, you know, anything changed with torticollis per se, but I think the theory is that because babies were spending more time on their backs, they weren't necessarily on their tummies straining and lifting their heads up, which stretches out that SCM muscle that we were talking about before that tightens. So they weren't kind of getting their own self-stretching that they could be getting during the tummy time. So, you know, the milder cases per se perhaps didn't resolve on their own that we now see more in the clinic these days. What does a physiotherapist do to assess torticollis and head shape? So for an initial assessment, when you come to see a physiotherapist, um, generally what a physiotherapist will do is they'll take a full hour and they'll take a detailed history of your child. So we're going to look at um, things like the child's birth history, their medical history, their current motor development. We'll look at um, their habitual head positions. So not necessarily what they look like in that moment, but what do they do most often when they're at home? What do they look like when they're in their car seat? What do they look like when they're in their tummy? And then from there, we're going to take an objective assessment. So we're going to assess their head shape. And uh, as Sylvana was talking about before, we're going to look for any flatness that might be there. We're going to look at their neck and see how they can move it and see how they move it, not just in one position, but all positions. It's really important to look at how they move their neck when they're on their tummies, how they move it when they're sitting. Is it different from when they're standing, um, when they're lying on their back? Um, We're going to look at how strong their neck is. So often with torticollis, we find that children's neck is, it's tight on one side, but because they're tilting their head over to one side, what happens is is the opposite side becomes stretched out and so it actually becomes weak. And what that does is it just perpetuates the torticollis. So one side's constantly pulling, pulling, pulling them over while the opposite side's just kind of having a little break and not doing much. So as this child is growing, what that can do if left untreated is just continuously over-strengthen one side and stretch out and under-strengthen the other. So we look at how well your child can lift their head again in different positions as well as on the left versus the right. Um, The other thing that we're looking at is just their overall gross motor skill potential. Um, So how well are they rolling? How well are they sitting? How well can they, you know, pull to stand? Are they crawling yet? 
um, oftentimes in torticollis, because these kids, it's really hard for them to be on their tummies because when they're on their tummies and lifting their heads up, what they're doing is they're stretching out that tight neck muscle and it doesn't feel very good and it's hard. And you know, if, if things don't feel good and it's hard, we don't want to do it. So why would they, right? Um, so what that means is that with tummy time being harder, um, so these kids can sometimes be a, a little bit slower with their development. So maybe rolling is a little slower, crawling is a little slower. This does uh, resolve later on as they get older. We do find that most kids, by the time that they hit 18 months, are you know on par with their peers that didn't have torticollis. But initially, sometimes we do see some legs. And just to expand a little bit on how we assess for head shape, um, what we'll do is we use something called calipers, which is just a little tool to measure length of the head or girth. Um, and we'll measure the head length front to back and side to side. And we're looking to make sure that heads are a little bit longer rather than wider. And that's what we assess for brachycephaly to make sure that there isn't a lot of flatness in the back. And we also measured length diagonally, kind of from one side of the forehead to the opposite side of the back of the head, and then the other diagonal. And we compared those two lengths to see if there's asymmetries from one side to the other. And that's what we would look in terms of diagnosing plagiocephaly. Um, and then the numbers that we come up with, we can use to determine how severe the case of brachycephaly or plagiocephaly is and what the required treatment would be following. You see those diagonal measurements for my son would have been different from one to the other. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's often what we hear too is that, you know, you're, you keep saying that you noticed that one eye was forward, one ear was forward. So generally if there's flattening on one side, it's got to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So then you, you get that diagonal mm -hmm. ear pattern. Uh, the last thing that we assess for torticollis is the um, passive neck flexibility. So what that means is we move your child's neck for you. Um, we normally save this for the very end of our assessment because nobody really likes having their child's head moved for them. And the babies certainly don't appreciate it either. It makes them a little nervous. So often this is the point of the physiotherapy assessment where we have a few tears um, so what we do is we, we move the child's head all the way to the left, all the way to the right, and then we bring their ear to their shoulder on the left and the right. Um, it's a little nerve wracking sometimes for parents because, the, you know, obviously they don't like their child's neck being moved. Um, but the important part about this part of the assessment is that it's the only part of the assessment that gives us an, a feel for whether or not there's truly neck tightness in that muscle or whether or not this child just doesn't like moving that way. And by us watching them, we can get a pretty good clinical picture of whether or not there is truly tightness. But that last piece that we do is that's the piece that tells us whether or not we need to give stretches and whether or not it's truly torticollis that's going on. So how much should babies be able to move their heads? So newborn babies and young babies, um, we always joke, we say they're kind of like little owls. So they have a lot more movement in their necks than we do as adults. So babies typically can um, actually turn their head all the way um, past 90 degrees. So they can actually physically get their chin past their shoulder. I, I don't know many adults that can do that. Um, and they can actually bring their ears all the way down to their shoulders as well. And that's really without any sort of muscle uh, resistance at all. So keeping that in mind, again, going back to saying, you know, when do we or how do we notice if, if my child has torticollis? Well, if you're 
you know, young baby, once they get a little bit older and around three or four months start to have some good head control and they can look well on their own. If you notice that your three or four month old, you know, can only look, let's say, so that his chin gets to his nipple on one side and all the way over his shoulder on the other side, well, that's probably a red flag that maybe there's something going on there with your child's neck. So how tortical is treated by a physiotherapist? So once we've done an initial assessment, the standard treatment for torticollis is typically that we have a follow-up appointment after the initial assessment that's one or two weeks later just to review all the stretches and exercises that we've given to make sure that the parent feels confident with them and that they're doing well. Um, And then thereafter, generally, most physiotherapists will treat them about every month or every three weeks. Uh, It just depends on the case. It can be really individualized um, for each patient. So what we do is we provide active flexibility exercises. So we teach you basically how to distract and woo your child into looking the opposite way that they don't like to move. Um, We teach you different ways to hold your child and to handle them. So ways to pick them up off the floor, ways to hold them on your hip or over your shoulder that will encourage you to look to the other side. Sometimes it's as easy as if you always hold your child on the left, now we're going to switch it to the right. So they have to strain over and look the opposite way that they don't want to. Um, There are different stretches that we provide for parents to help stretch that tight neck muscle. Um, And then lots and lots of education to the parents on, like I said, ways to hold their child, ways to distract them and get them to look the other way, um, and ways to strengthen that weakened neck muscle on the opposite side. Um, There's definitely lots of exercises that I know uh, most parents that come to us have Googled the condition and, you know, they'll find lots of tidbits that are grayed out on the internet, which is really good. Um, But the tricky thing about torticollis is that sometimes it's not always that exact Uh, SCM muscle that we mentioned and sometimes it's a neck muscle that's maybe a little bit in front or a little bit behind or there's a few muscles involved and so we have to take those standard exercises and tweak them a little bit and that kind of is what optimizes the care so that we can get it resolved faster. The faster you can get the condition treated the better because the older your child gets the harder it is to hold them and do the strengthening exercises the harder it is to get them to buy into things. It's a lot easier to treat a torticollis condition when your child is let's say, you know, six months, nine months, 12 months versus a two-year-old coming in. So really the the earlier we catch it, the better. I got to say from zero to three was actually even easier than three to six for me. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Once they start rolling, really it's a bit of a game yeah. changer. Yeah. So I just wanted to mention for torticollis treatment, what I have found from experience is that doing some of those active stretching exercises where the child is moving their own head works even a lot better sometimes on the passive stretches. Um, The passive stretches are super important for when there's that actual muscle limitation. But when you have a child physically try to look really far to one side, it actually kind of shuts off the opposite muscle. So if you can combine both active and passive stretches together and really get the child engaged, even when they're like zero to three months old, trying to get the child to participate I find works a lot better so sometimes I know parents are a little bit scared that we're gonna tell them like okay you have to hold your baby and like pull their head this way and like hold them in that position even if they cry so I try to kind of ease parents minds that I'm not gonna just make them kind of yank their baby's heads we're gonna make the baby participate um, and the baby's gonna be able to tolerate it well so that they're not just kind of fighting a stretch the whole time 
Um, yeah. And it's also really important to get all family members to try and help out with it. So I know, um, Jen, we'd been talking, uh, earlier with your husband and he, he let slide that instead of doing the physio exercises, what he would do would be to fly around a little hovercraft from Costco so that, um, Alex would look the other way. And that was his way of physio, which I I personally thought was fantastic. Yeah. He had a little (laughs) mini drone flying around him. Okay. For him to look from one side to the other, and my baby was just like, wow, this is so cool, right? So, this is a more modern approach yes. from a dad here. That's good. It's good, good new approach. I think the important part is, though, and we always say with all of our parent education, is that you know, from the day that you get home from the physiotherapy clinic and when you start your exercises, the more of the exercises you can do and the more people in your family that can help you, the better it's going to resolve. And you know, we all know as parents how like it's hard enough to get you know food on the table and the diapers changed and the laundry done and everything's really hard. So there's a lot of exercises that are involved with torticollis and really it's it's not setting time to do them three times a day. It's, it's trying to get them done as many times as possible. So if you have aunties and uncles and friends and grandmas and grandpas and dads with Costco memberships, then <laughs> the, the more people that do it, the, the better we see the resolution. And um, I do find often it's, it's quite comical actually, all of the dads that come in um, they do have their own unique take on on the physio exercises. That's kind of one of the fun parts of our job, I think, is like, oh, we didn't think of that one, but I'm going to use that for our next patient. That's good. Eh? <laughs> so how do you treat head shape asymmetry? So I'm going to talk about head shape asymmetry in those just positional cases. So the non-severe, non-dangerous ones that I was talking about. For those more dangerous ones, I would refer them to a pediatrician and have a more medical team take a look at what's going on. But for the positional head shape concerns, which is what we're, we've been talking about so far, um, the first strategy that we want to use is positioning. So just like with torticollis, we want to get them to look to the opposite direction for plagiocephaly, we want to get them to put pressure on the round spot. So we want to get them off of the flat spot. So whatever spot they're spending a lot of time in on their head, um, we want to get them to let that spot be relieved of pressure so that it can grow normally. And any spots that are have actually become rounded, like the opposite side, we can put a little bit more pressure on that side to stop them from growing as quickly so that the head can become a little bit more round. So that's our first strategy and we can do this with lots of different techniques that again we can individualize to each family depending on where the child sleeps and how do they like to be held and how much time do they have to spend in a car seat and all different things that we assess Um, and we also encourage a lot of tummy time so just like with torticollis it's really important to do tummy time to stretch that scm muscle with polygiocephaly or brachycephaly or any other head shape asymmetries tummy time allows them to not be on any part of their head so their head's allowed to just grow into all directions so it's a really important aspect of management Um, and this positioning or tummy time that we use to treat head shape asymmetries we call it conservative management so for the less severe cases or more mild just cosmetic ones this is what we would use just positioning tummy time and different strategies like that to help so along with that conservative management 
we can also use kind of those same tips and strategies in terms of prevention for parents. So even if your child doesn't have torticollis or plagiocephaly, you can employ some of these strategies even to begin with to make sure that this isn't a concern that you're going to have. So things like changing the side that your baby sleeps in a crib. So having them sleep on both sides of the crib or getting them to look to both directions when you're holding them. So not holding them always on one side, but on holding them on both sides, breastfeeding them using both arms. So if you're using um, a bottle, making sure you're not always using your right hand to hold the bottle. Um, or if you're breastfeeding, making sure that you're not kind of footballing the child from one breast to the other, but actually rotate them. So they have to turn their head to opposite sides. Um, you want to try to limit as much as you can the amount of time that you're spending on things like car seats and strollers, which I know can be really, really difficult sometimes, but it definitely helps in terms of just relieving a little bit that pressure in the back of the head. I had to do this with Alex. I, like The only time I could put him on his uh, back was to sleep and in the car. That was it. So it was hard at the beginning, but uh, yeah, I worked. <laughs> Yeah, just going uh, back to the the feeding as well. It's amazing what a difference switching sides will make. Um, my oldest daughter, Athena, actually was born with a mild case of torticollis as well. And um, even though I'm a pediatric physio and even though I know all this and even though I work in a torticollis clinic, um, I still, when I was feeding her uh, at the time, she wasn't able to breastfeed, so she was fed by bottle. And I only fed her on one side because, you know, you've had three hours sleep and you just got to get the job done. And I remember a few weeks later just looking down at her thinking, what happened? Like, she's got a flat head. She's tilted more to one side. Like, I'm doing all these exercises. Why isn't it working? And it was my husband, shame on me, who said, well, do you feed her on both sides? (laughs) (laughs) I said, I know this. I will start doing that. (laughs) Very good. And just to kind of build on that, so if the head shape is not improving through this conservative management and we're not seeing things progress the way we want them to, we can then refer to an orthotist. This can happen for a variety of reasons. It's not that the parents aren't doing their job, just sometimes babies' heads are a little bit less malleable or if they're really good sleepers and they're sleeping the whole night in one spot, there's not much that you can do about that sometimes. Um, So if we're not seeing the improvements that we want to see, an orthotist can help by doing a cranial orthosis, which is just a little cute helmet that they put on. And it can vary from something that you just wear at night when you're sleeping and can be really lightweight to something that you can wear like 23 hours a day um, to help the head grow into the spots that it needs to grow and preventing it from growing into the round spots that have already grown a little bit more. Just to talk about the the cranial headbands as well, I know a lot of parents get really anxious about them. And um, Jen, you were mentioning too that, you know, you can hear the nervousness in parents' voice come out mm. thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to have this this helmet on and it's going to be awful. And I'd say, you know, 99% of the time, the parents are more worried about it um, and more upset about it than the babies are. Really the first three days, they don't, they kind of itch and they don't like it. And then after that, I really haven't met any kids that it really bothers. They sleep with it, they eat with it. Um, you know, for those that have to wear it in the summer months, it's a little bit more sweaty and itchy. But other than that, I haven't really heard any, any big complaints about them. So most babies adapt to them really well. And for this 
helmets, I usually refer to Jason Goodenough at the Pediatric Head Shape Clinic. And he actually, I've had lots of mutual clients that I've shared with him and he actually always eases their concerns. Like I always have parents be really scared and they're not really sure what's going to happen, but I've had a lot of feedback once they learn what it's about and once they know how much it's going to help, they're totally, their concerns are totally eased and they're a lot better at knowing that this is what's going to help their child and it can actually be really beneficial for a lot of babies. And then the last thing I wanted to mention for head shape asymmetry management is that early intervention is the most important thing that we want to consider. So if you're noticing that your baby's head is a little bit asymmetrical or there's any flat spots or you're noticing shifting in their ears or eyes, the most important thing is to start management early. So you can always just go and see a physio or a specialist so they can give you some really good advice. And then you can start that management early because as soon as the baby's head start to become a little bit harder and less malleable, and once they've grown a lot more, it becomes a lot harder to change it. Mm-hmm. Like my son, uh, kids with torticollis uh, tends to hate tummy time, I think, right? Um, are there any developmental impacts to having this condition? Yeah, so we, I think we kind of touched on this a bit earlier. Um, Typically, what the literature shows us is that during the first two to six months, um, some of the children with torticollis do have a little bit of a mild delay, just meaning that they're a little bit um, slower to stay on their tummies, a little bit slower with their rolling, and a little bit slower to start sitting up, just because they don't get the same number of hours on their tummy where they're developing all those great muscles in their shoulders, their backs, their core. Um, so it, it takes them a little bit longer to build up all that muscle to reach those milestones. What we do know though, and the great news is that, you know, with a little bit more time and as that torticollis resolves, all of these kids reach all the same milestones as their peers. And that by 18 months, they're all the exact same as all of their peers without torticollis. And just to add to that, so some of the management that we do when we treat torticollis and plagiocephaly is that same gross motor skill development so we assess this at the beginning like Kate mentioned and these kids can sometimes be a little bit behind so we're not just focusing on can they look to the left and is their head getting more round but we also want to make sure we guide parents through different exercises and different activities that they can do to help their child be able to tolerate tummy time better and to be able to learn skills like rolling and sitting and transitioning in and out of sitting because those are some of the things that can be a little bit behind for these kids. I mean, for myself, my son was diagnosed right at the hospital at day one, right? So we were right away referred and everything. But for our listeners out there, how can we find a physiotherapist to treat our children torticollis and head shape? So there's several hospitals across British Columbia that all will treat um, torticollis just depending on the area that you live in. And these uh, programs are all run through MSP. So it's a free service to the parents. Um, and generally, if you take your child to a doctor, they can help refer you on to one of the hospitals. To see a physiotherapist, you don't need to be seen by a doctor. Um, you can simply go to a clinic. So if you're going to go look up a private clinic, then you can just kind of wander over. Sometimes uh, if you're going to claim it through insurance, your insurance companies will require you to have a doctor's letter. So that might be kind of a catch to still needing to go through a doctor. To find a physiotherapist, what you want to do is you actually want to look for someone who has specific um, pediatric experience. And the best way to do that 
um, is you can go on to BC Physiotherapy Association. So if you just Google BC Physiotherapy Association on their website, they've got this great little spot where it says find a physio and you can click on that. And under the advanced search, you can actually type in where you live and just scroll down under the area of experience for physiotherapists and click on pediatrics. And uh, most pediatric physiotherapists will have experience treating torticollis. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who's had their hands on lots of babies and who knows all of their milestones and all their little ways and tricks. And that can help give you some great advice on that. And um, there's a lot of great clinics in the lower mainland. And as I mentioned before, I work out of a clinic called Playworks Physio. Uh, It's in Port Moody. And Sylvana can tell you more about kids physio. Yeah, so at Kids Physio, we specialize in treating just children, and we see lots and lots of babies every day. So all of our physiotherapists are pediatric physios, and they're specialized in treating babies, and they all know everything that Kate was just mentioning, so what their milestones are, what some of the tips and tricks are for treating these types of conditions. And we've got three locations for Kids Physio. We've got one in Vancouver, which is just in the corner of Fraser Street and 18th. And we have one in North Vancouver, just on Dollarton Highway off of the Iron Workers Bridge. And we have a third location in Surrey, which is on 104th. And any families with any questions or concerns, you can always reach us and let us know. You can go to our website at kidsphysio.ca or you can Google Kids Physio Vancouver and you'll be able to find us. And we also have a Facebook and Instagram page, um, which is just at Kids Physio. And it's a really fun Instagram page. Um, you, we share lots of tips on there and lots of different things about baby development and motor milestones and anything from from torticollis and plegiocephaly to how to get your baby to crawl. So if you have questions or concerns, you can always reach us through that media as well. Thank you, ladies. Heather, I think it's time for a conversation card. Can you please read one to us? All right. Our question today is, what historical sporting event would you like to attend? Um, a historical sporting event that I'd like to attend, really any... So I'm originally from Colombia in South America, and my favorite sport, sport is soccer or football. Um, so I would definitely love to attend any big Colombia World Cup game. Specifically in the last World Cup, we had some really good games with one of my favorite players, James. So I would love to attend any really any soccer game with Colombia playing in the world stage would be what I would want. And for you, Kate? Ooh, okay, well, going with the growing up theme, um, I grew up watching tennis with my family. And uh, yeah, if I could sneak into a game with Pete Sampras, Andre Agassi, or um, any of those players, specifically probably Agassi, I think it would be really fun to go back and, and watch those guys play. Mm-hmm. And Heather? For me, it would have been the gold medal game at the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics. <laughs> have tickets for it. I, oh, that would have been amazing to be there. I mean, I was at a house party and there was just tons of people around. And obviously I did get to go to several of the events. But that game specifically was just such a momentous occasion for Canada. And definitely that would have been very cool to be at that specific game. I actually... I actually been already to the game. I actually would like to attend. I actually was at the last Montreal Stanley Cup game. Oh, <laughs> so amazing. I was there. So that's very cool to be there. Um, 
a little bit in the same line that Heather, that's a really good game too. I would have liked to be there. Actually, I was downtown partying and it was yeah. so much fun. And uh, another game actually I would like to be is, but I was actually in Vegas with my husband cheering for the last um, Super Bowl for Seattle when they were absolutely like, they started so nice. far, you know, yeah. and now, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. It was, I would have liked to be at that game, definitely. All right, ladies, uh, that concludes today's episode. I want to thank you, Savannah and Kate and Heather for being here. Thank you for your contribution in other parents' lives. For our listeners, if you want to hear a little bit more about Heather and I, we are releasing some mini episode called Real Mom Moments, where we talk about what is happening in our daily lives. If you have a question or you would like to join us on our show as a guest or as an expert, please visit the contact us section on our website at parenttalk.ca. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on any platforms where you like to listen to your favorite podcast. You can always subscribe directly to this podcast on our website at parenttalk.ca. Please take a minute to review us. We want to know what you think. Remember, there's nothing more powerful than feeling supported by a community of parents and sharing your thoughts, ideas, and experiences. Parent Talk is a safe space for everyone. Thank you for listening and have a great week. The views and or opinions of the host and their guests are not necessarily those of Parent Talk and should not be considered as fact. The information offered is believed to be accurate but is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be used for diagnosing or treating any health issue or prescribing medication. If you have any questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your child, please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare practitioner. Thank you.